When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 51 of the show. We're brought to you this week by HealthyMoving.com. Later in today's show, we'll hear from Jen Hoffman of Healthy Moving, who took the time to sit down with me this month so we could explore some more of the mission behind Healthy Moving and why it just might be your next Awesome of the Week or maybe even your Awesome of the Year. That's coming up later in today's show. This week, I'm joined by my lovely friend and co-host, Kelly Gordon, and we are going to do a deep dive into the world of podcasting. We are exploring things like, how did podcasts start? What were the first shows that we loved? How do people even make time to listen to all of these podcasts? We'll also answer a few of your questions about the process of getting Sorta Awesome produced and published for you every week. All of that is coming up later in the show, but first we'll start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Kelly, what do you have for us this week? Oh my goodness, Megan. Hello, Awesomes. I am so glad that you guys can't smell me right now. Be very (laughs) glad that this is an audio medium because my Awesome of the Week is what I just got back from. And it is my favorite workout class. I'm a member of the Y. It's a dance class. It's just a dance exercise class. Yeah. It's not any that is trademarked. It's not necessarily a Zumba class or, you know, jazzercise or any of the things. It's just dance exercise 101. And the reason it's my awesome of the week is because I have not been able to go to this particular class since I started teaching my college class in January. And it just so happens this class is only once a week and it's right during the Wednesday time period what I would normally be teaching. But this is spring break for me for my college. So this is the only time I'll be able to go basically in a six month stretch. I have been, I told the teacher, looking forward to this to almost a ridiculous degree. But it was so much fun. And I love dance exercise. And I always say, because I grew up very Baptist and very conservative, (laughs) like I had years of dance that I like was not able to do when I was young. So I have years of dance to get out. Yes, it's all pinned up inside of you. We had to turn off Sesame Street when the kids were dancing sometimes. Like that is just so not appropriate, (laughs) which the people who didn't grow up in that like really conservative tradition are like, 
are are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not kidding. But anyway, I have a lot of dance in me to get out. And I love this sort of exercise. And the reason it's my awesome is not only because I got to do it just recently. Um, but you know what? This is what I've learned. This is my takeaway, if you will, for my awesome. If you find some sort of exercise that you love, you will want to do it. So it will true. motivate you and feed you and give you energy. It's one of those things that I did not grow up. I am not an athlete in any way, shape or form. Like my brother got all the athletic skills in our family, <laughs> like all of them. And I was like, I'm going to do school really well. And he's like, I'm going to do sports really well. <laughs> yes. And that works for us because we're just three years apart. My brother that's right next to me in age. So growing up, I didn't do anything athletic. I thought, and I am, I'm not, I have bad um, hand-eye coordination because of a weird thing with my eyes. So I can't, like all the traditional sports, even things that I did in youth group, I was horrible. I got kicked in the face with a soccer ball more times than anybody ever should. Like to the point where my face was numb and I wasn't even sure if my nose was still attached right. because I was always in the wrong place at the wrong time, that sort of thing. Yes. Just clumsy. I mean, I tried. So I always thought this is just not my thing. I hate this. Right. Like I'll try to do it to be healthy. But then when I stumbled across probably in the 90s as an adult, an exercise class that taught dance that just incorporated that, I was so happy and marveled that I could find something that I really enjoyed. So that's why it's my awesome of the week. And I would just say, go find something that you love. Yes. Be it rock climbing, just walking and listening yeah. to podcasts in your headphones. Right. Some people really love running. I can't run very well. Dancing. I mean, there's so many things to get out there and to do something. Find something that moves you, moves your body and moves your soul. So that's my awesome of the week. Yeah. And you know, to go back to one of your earlier awesomes of the week this year, Go Noodle, that is mm -hmm. one of the things that my kids love the most about it is it's so, there's so much dance and so much movement going on that you don't feel like, oh gosh, got to get a workout in. It's, it's so fun. And we lose that so much as we get older. So yeah, yep, I'm so glad absolutely. you found that. Love mm -hmm. it. So what's your awesome? Okay. My awesome is going to feel like a flashback. If you have been listening to Sorta Awesome since the beginning, this will sound familiar to you. Way back in the very first episode, episode one, my very first awesome of the week was House of Cards. It was season three at the time. Well, Netflix just released House of Cards season four, and I have to tell you, Kelly, here it is again as my awesome of the week. It may be okay. my first ever, like sort of almost a repeat of an awesome of the week. <laughs> yeah, but I've heard a lot of buzz about this new season. So I'm interested to hear specifically what is keeping you yeah. so interested. Well, so the thing is, I was a little skeptical because in the realm of television, you, you may find a really great show. For some reason, after that third season mark, sometimes things can go off the rails a little bit. I mean, I'm sure from a writer's perspective and the creative element, it's hard to keep all the stories and storylines and character development together and moving. It's not unusual for a series to drop off in terms of how, um, how much it lands with the audience after the third season. So I was a little skeptical, but season four, I have to say, is my favorite season yet. Of House of Cards. Now, we have only finished through episode eight, and there's 13 episodes in this season. So who knows, maybe I'll go completely off the rails by the end. I could be surprised. We'll see. But all of the character development, many of the plot lines that have been building and woven together, some have faded into the distance, some have been prevalent, but it's like all coming together in a way in season four so far that is so seamless 
and so enjoyable. I have been loving it so much. I also have to say they've added some new people, quite a few new characters to the cast in season four. One of those people is Nev Campbell. When Mm -hmm. she first came on, I was like, wait, what? Is that Nev Campbell? She's so grown up. She's lost a lot of her sort of like trademark kind of tics and mannerisms that were, you know, like really essential to her character back in Party of Five in the Scream movies. She comes across as so mature, so interesting of a character that, I don't know, I just have been loving her character. So I actually like was Googling because I didn't even know that she was going to, I didn't really know anything about this season before it came out. So I was Googling to see, you know, I just like typed in Nev Campbell, House of Cards. One of the first articles that came up was on HuffPo, And it was talking about how Nev Campbell had spent some time talking about how House of Cards is so wonderful to older actresses. And first I had to be like, push pause, Nev Campbell's an older actress. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch, right? Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. But it was talking about how in an industry like the entertainment industry where women over 40 really struggle to find great roles that are not that stereotypical old lady kind of role, you know, that House of Cards has really gone out of its way and been super intentional about building roles for actresses over the age of 40 that are strong, that are confident, that are not fitting into that stereotypical women over 40 mold. And after I read that article, I started really paying attention to the women who are cast in this. Of course, Robin Wright, who was the Princess Bride and grew up to become now Claire Underwood on House of Cards, uh, with lots of amazing work in between, of course. But somebody who's been in the industry for such a long time, she is so fantastic in this role. But really, so many women have been cast in House of Cards. So many of the those roles are for women over 40. And It has made me admire and respect House of Cards that much more because it it treats women with so much dignity and so much complexity that I've just been blown away. So I'm really digging it. Season four of House of Cards on Netflix. Cool. I do like it when a show has not just a great storyline, but another layer of something to draw you in. And that's exactly what you've got there. Yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. So if anybody else is watching it, find me so we can talk about it. I'd love to unpack with someone besides Kyle who's like, yes, it's good. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So Kelly and I are sitting down this week to talk all about podcasts and the medium of podcasting. Now, listen, you guys, I could talk about this all the live long day. So I have really tried to hone in on a few key points that Kelly and I could talk about. I can always count on Kelly to to bring interesting discussion about the media landscape to the table. So we thought we would sit down and kind of geek out about podcasts a little bit. I got started thinking about this from a couple of things when we were planning that show with Laura and Jeff Tremaine a few episodes back. Somebody had tossed out a question about celebrities and podcasts. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea. We didn't get to that question then, but we're going to talk about a little bit more about that today. But then also recently this month, Edison Research, Edison Research is a research firm that specializes in media research, if you're not familiar with them. They published a blog post that talked about the growth in podcast listenership in America just in the past year. So we all know podcasting is kind of having a moment, but they were looking at the specific numbers. And so what their data shows is that really there has been a 24% jump in growth from just from 2015 to 2016 in how many people are listening or what their measurement was 
was, have you listened to at least one podcast within the past month? And when people were asked that question, the results showed a 24% growth from 2015 to 2016 in listenership. So I thought that was pretty incredible, Kelly. That is pretty incredible because really we've seen some things. So awesomes who are listening to us right now know that you are on the cutting edge of technology and podcasts. You are listening to this. You've probably been listening. This is probably not your first show, although if it is, welcome. (laughs) But, you know, I saw a study that was just, and again, like you're saying, just last year. So it was talking about 2015. They were suggesting like only 17% of Americans had ever listened to a podcast. So even though there is growth, there's a tremendous amount a room for growth too. There's still so many people who are like, oh, I've heard of podcasts. What is that exactly? And they don't really know. So awesomes who are listening, you are like the 1%. (laughs) More than 1% of people in America are listening to podcasts today, but still cutting edge. Yes. You You are in the upper echelon of media savviness to be sure. So I thought we could talk a little bit just about the general history of podcasts, Um, because even though people are just now really starting to catch the momentum, this medium has been around for over a decade. Mm -hmm. It actually, the term podcast is a portmanteau. If you didn't know this, it's a portmanteau that merges the two words iPod and broadcast together. So it harkens back to the day when those of us who remember this moment in time when mp3 files whether it was music or podcasts or whatever became portable because apple had created the ipod and so the ipod's influence on us being able to access these podcasts was so significant that's how we came up with the term podcast now the biggest shift in this medium in the industry of podcast really happened in fall of 2014. So the timeline looks like this. In September of 2014, Apple released iOS 8, the operating system for the iPhone, which for the first time contained a native podcast app, which you may be listening to us on right now. Lots and lots of people use that native app on their iPhones to listen to podcasts. So that was September 2014. In October of 2014, This American Life released a little spin-off show you have maybe heard of called Serial. <laughs> that little show hosted by Sarah Koenig was the first time that people were clamoring to listen to and subscribe to and follow along with a podcast. And that really brought in so many more people who had never heard of podcasting or weren't interested in listening to a podcast before. It was sort of the gateway into this medium of podcasting. So from that, I saw, can I say, I saw a statistic and this boggled my mind. So they were a spinoff from This American Life. It said it took This American Life four years to reach a million downloads per episode. It took Serial four weeks. Oh, wow. That's so that it, it wasn't just like growth. It's like off the charts, straight up, crazy making sort of explosion. And of course, we all know it went viral, whether you listen to it or not. You did, right? You listened to Serial. When Serial closed their first season after the fir- the last episode of the first season aired is when I picked it up. So I was right. like right at the very tail end of listening. But yes, I've listened to the whole thing of it. Yeah. And I haven't. But I'm very aware of what it was. It's like, I'm just so like, it was a little off-putting to me that the true crime thing is not my thing. So I haven't listened, but I know what it's about. So knowing that it did this huge surge is really interesting, I think. Yeah, yes, definitely. Well, that is a brief history of the medium of podcasting. I mean, honestly, we could devote a whole show just to what all had developed to bring us to the point we're at today. But we'll skip that so we can talk a little bit 
about our own personal histories with podcasts. Kelly, I would love to hear from you. Like, what are some of the first shows you started listening to? How did you listen to them? What was your own gateway into listening to podcasts? Well, Megan, my gateway was blogging. Oh, yes. I think for a lot of people, I'd heard of podcasting. But my first podcast listening experiences came about because of Tish's podcast. Yes. Read her blog, heard about that. And then Kat Lee's How They Blog. Um, So those were the first podcasts that I ever listened to. I didn't, I don't think I remember subscribing. I just listened to a couple of episodes, like as I, you know, had time. It was very dabbling. And then there was this time when I had to drive from Minneapolis to Chicago for a conference and I was alone in my car and I had satellite radio, which was nice because, you know, sometimes out in those open plains areas, you can't really even get regular radio. So I was listening to my NPR Now station on satellite and they had all of these shows I didn't even know existed, primarily the TED Radio Hour uh-huh. and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which if you're not familiar with, is kind of a news game show yes. that's you know, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of current events. And I was like laughing and speaking back to the radio. I was involved. I don't remember about four hours of my life there because (laughs) I was so involved. And I remember just thinking, what is this magic thing coming through to my ears? And I was so intrigued, wanted to listen, but was kind of sad thinking, oh, this is a radio show. Like I don't have the space in my life to like sit down every Saturday afternoon and listen to two hours of radio. And then I discovered, hey, they actually, so they're really done as a radio show, but they are podcasts as well. That was what got me hooked in. I started to listen in my free time, when I went for walks, sometimes when I fell asleep, you know, it became this thing that I was very obsessed with. And then of course, I think probably for you too, the more you learn and the more podcasts that you find out about, then you start to talk to people and they say, well, have you listened to X, Y, Z? And you say, I have not. And there it goes. The little snowball that started at the top of the hill has become a gigantic thing. That is so true. I hadn't even thought about that, but word of mouth recommendations are still Mm -hmm. so hugely important in the podcast medium because well, because of a lot of the ways that the medium operates in the in the way that content is dispersed to its listeners, it's sometimes hard for those of us who create podcasts to get our shows in front of people. And so mm. we rely so much, especially in our genres, we're talking to women about day-to-day life and finding the awesome in the everyday. We rely so much on people being willing to say like, have you listened to this? You should check it out. So if you have done that, we are giving you a huge squeeze and high fives and all of that because that is so helpful when you pass along your recommendation about our show to your friends. So Mm -hmm. that's so funny that you mentioned that you got into podcasting via blogging because I did too. In fact, it was Tish's show was the first one. It used to be called The Simple Mom Podcast, Mm -hmm. kind of changed through the years. And now it is The Simple Show. But I am a longtime admirer of Tish's work and Tish Oxenwriters, who we're talking about. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with her, I wrote for her um, for the Simple Living Sites for many years. So when she released a podcast, I was all in. I was like, absolutely. So I started listening to that And her shows were, you know, anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour. And I did not, I could not figure out how to make it happen 
on any mobile device. So I would just listen right from her website. I would save up a bunch of laundry and, you know, kind of pull it into the laundry room and turn on her show and fold laundry while I was listening. But I just could not figure out how to make it happen on my phone. The same with the Big Boo Cast, mm-hmm. which is host, which has been around for a long time, it's hosted by um, a blogger uh, at Boo Mama. Her name is Sophie Hudson and also Big Mama, Melanie Schenkel. They have had a podcast for a long time. Same thing. I would just go to Sophie's site, Boo Mama, and just listen from there uh, whenever I could find it and, you know, find time to listen to it. So the first show that I was really fanatical about that I was just like, where have you been all my life? You are my people, is NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, which I have referenced many times on this show. I can't help it that in terms of creating Sorta Awesome, even though they are two different shows, the way Linda Holmes has put together Pop Culture Happy Hour is probably one of the biggest influences on Sorta Awesome. I just thought about why do I love this show so much and tried to translate a lot of my favorite things about Pop Culture Happy Hour to the show I was creating. When I first started listening, again, didn't know how to listen on my phone. So I would just carry my laptop from room to room with it playing <laughs> while I was cleaning house. When I'd it's vacuum- like old boom boxes. Yes. People used to it- like have to carry on their shoulders down <laughs> yes, the street. I think was- Megan like lugging <laughs> the laundry and the technology from room to room. Our kids are going to think we're hysterical someday. <laughs> what do you mean? I know. I know. It was just like that, though. I would take my laptop into the living room. I'd clean the living room. I'd have to push pause while I was vacuuming. Then I'd turn it back on again. So. So when Apple released their new their iOS 8 that had that native app, I was like, this is changing my life. So I, of course, still had Pop Culture Happy Hour, but my subscription list grew exponentially from there once I could take my shows on the road with me, like literally listen to them while I'm driving kids around and those types of things. So I think it's an interesting part of this dynamic with our listeners is how they access it, like a huge stumbling block for a lot of people who just will do not want to listen to podcasts at all is because they may still think they've got to drag their laptop around with them or that they (laughs) have to find time when they can sit down. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, our friend and co-host Laura Tremaine had a thread on her Hollywood Housewife Facebook page, just kind of asking like, what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to if you don't listen to podcasts why do you not listen? And one of her readers left a comment saying that she did not listen to podcasts mainly because she would get distracted or bored so easily. She said, I can never just sit and listen without engaging my eyes. I was thinking, I never sit and listen to a podcast. Right. The only time I'm actually seated when I'm listening is when I am driving kids around or running errands. So I think that for those of us who do create podcasts, helping people understand the different ways they can access a podcast and what they can actually do while they're listening is a pretty big stumbling block we've got to overcome. Absolutely. And I'm the same way. I don't, I would not be able to sit and listen only. I would be, I'm very easily distractible. I'm very easily finding things to distract me. So I wouldn't be able to, if that that was the only option, yes, I would not be a podcast listener either. But I'm always doing something that is somewhat mindless. I think that's the key for me. Something that I'm not trying to read an article. I'm not trying to work on my lesson plans. You know, I'm not doing something that takes tons of thought. It is folding the laundry, cleaning up the kitchen, um, picking up toys, making beds, going for a walk. I almost always listen to podcasts when I'm either on the treadmill at the Y or if I just go for a walk through my neighborhood. There are times that I'll put 
the phone away and say, let's just listen to the birds and that sort of thing. But honestly, I am happier when my brain is involved in something and not focused on how much longer do I have? Where am I? You know, all those things. So to be able to listen while I'm doing something is the key for me. And I think that we've heard that from so many of our listeners as well, the awesomes out there who, when we've asked in the Facebook Hangout group, for example, when and where do you listen? They're all about when I'm driving the kids around, when I'm cleaning, when I'm making dinner, that sort of thing. Yes, definitely, definitely. And you know, I can understand too, I've had several friends who have children who are very small, who have said a couple of different things like, I just, people are talking to me all day long and the thought of intentionally putting another voice in my ears, just, I can't, I would crawl out of my skin, which I get that, particularly if you're more introverted or just whatever. If you're in a moment in life where you do have a lot of voices talking to you, I can totally see that, that that would, this is maybe not the time that you would want to pick up (laughs) a a big fandom in podcasting for sure. Um, I'm in a weird space in that uh, my older girls are older and they entertain themselves a lot. There's a lot less, you know, during the school year when we're in our usual routines, there's a lot less of mom, I need this mom, can you do that? And the twins are in this magical phase where they're really playing with each other. They though the two of them are thick as thieves all the time into something which is not always good (laughs) but they they really do play together a lot and so I just pop in a podcast while I am sweeping up the kitchen floor again (laughs) or you know cooking dinner like you said uh, picking up toys in the evening all of those are times when it makes it like you said it makes the time go so much faster and it's so much more enjoyable in fact I have shows that I kind of hoard and I wait until I know I'm gonna have a stretch of time like when I'm cleaning house or something when I can indulge in listening to some of my favorite shows so but I think it really I mean it makes a big difference how you go about about the daily rhythms of your life if you have time to work those shows in. Right. And like you mentioned, the stage of life can even impact that. I think that for me, I have more podcasts that I want to listen to than I have time to listen to. And for me, that's because my kids are in school, but when they come home, I have four kids and I'm usually solo parenting during the school week. So they are talking to me all the time. So lots of times they have laughed at me because I'll be listening, trying to listen to the end of a podcast and they're talking to me and I'm like, wait, wait, you know, I'm holding out the finger and saying, I got pause. And I'm like, I, I have my earbuds in. Do you see the earbuds? Yes. That means I'm not here for you. Yes. And they kind of laugh at me or I'm laughing out loud at something. And they're like, what's so funny? And I'm like, I just, no, it's just, I can't, never mind. It's too. And they're like, oh, podcast. So they've understood. But for me, what it means is I've recognized this and I have to curtail and say, if I have precious few hours, what can I really listen to? I also have to say, just because I thought this was such an interesting point when we were talking about why people don't listen to podcasts, not only is it maybe stage of life and people who are like, I just have too much stimulation going on in my head all the time, but also that it's possible that people have already designated those listening oh, yes. spots right. to something else. Right, so right. that's another weakness for me is that I love to listen to the news every day if I can, either on you know a live streaming app in my home or while I'm driving around in the car. So I hardly ever listen to podcasts in the car because I'm listening to the news. Right. So, you know, people have those rhythms in their life already established, possibly. It's so true. Same for people who love audiobooks and do most of their reading through audiobooks. That time is also already booked. So totally get it. All of us are working with the same number of hours and trying to juggle our passions and what is working for us in life right now. It's just so funny to me because really, 
uh, I don't really like audiobooks. Like I am a very much like a visual person when it comes to books. So when we're talking about listening time and what we make priority for, when someone mentioned audiobooks, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> That's a thing that people really love. So <laughs> we just kind of get into our own, like, this is how things work kind of view on life. And it's right. so good to hear what other people are saying about these things. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Kelly and I have only just now begun to dig into this medium of podcasting. We will be back with more discussion about podcasts and podcasting after this break from our sponsor. So one thing I can't help but notice is just how many moms of little ones we have in the awesome community. When I sat down to talk with Jen Hoffman of HealthyMoving.com about what inspires her message of incorporating more movement into our lives, we talked about that new mom phase of life and how the lack of sleep can feel like a huge obstacle to healthiness that is too big to overcome. Today, someone said, I'm really struggling because I'm not sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the only time I can work out is if I get up at five in the morning, but I'm so tired. Sure. I'm going to say like very gently. This is one of the problems with putting all of our movement into one bucket is that we think like, oh, if I don't get up at five to work out, I'm not going to move my body the whole day. And there's a happy medium where you sleep and then you figure out how to do the things that you're doing during the day in a more dynamic way. But that there is a physiological problem when we ignore sleep, that working out doesn't undo. Like it doesn't get rid of all of the the physiological response to not getting enough sleep. Sleep is the only thing that gets rid of that. So if you've been putting all of your movement into one bucket and you are ready to learn more about what Jen means by moving your body in a more dynamic way, no matter what phase of life you are in, head on over to healthymoving.com slash sorta awesome or text sorta awesome to 33444 where Jen has a free offer ready for you. Okay, we are back and we are talking all about podcasts and podcasting today on Sorta Awesome. I thought it would be interesting to talk just a little bit about this medium in general. Like, why would a person create a podcast? Why would they go to all the trouble to teach themselves how? And what purpose is it serving in their lives, the people who do the creating of podcasts? So, just a couple of things that I have picked up on from the work that I've done just in the past year in this medium. A lot of people create podcasts to go with or to supplement a business that they already have in place. Now, I tend to stick with just a couple of main categories of podcasts. I like chat type shows like ours. I love pop culture shows. There are not many shows that I listen to that have anything at all to do with business, but there are a plethora of shows out there that are, first of all, business oriented to teach you business skills, teach you how to be an entrepreneur, encourage you in your business journey. But there are many, many shows that are out there that are designed to kind of grab somebody's attention and keep them engaged as a listener so that they can then lead you to a business that they already have in place so that you can become a customer of theirs or a client, something along those lines. Of course, a lot of us did come to the medium of podcasting via blogging in some way, shape, or form. 
and that's been that's become a really big thing, particularly for bloggers who have become authors who need a platform from which to encourage readers to become engaged with them so they can sell their books. Mm-hmm. So creating a platform is definitely a huge part of why somebody would start a podcast. And then there are those of us who start one just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> which honestly is a big section from what I read of the landscape of podcasting. You know, a lot of people, because all you need is really a microphone and a computer. Yes. So, and there's probably somebody else out there who cares about that really specific thing that you like, you know, Hollywood movies from the 1970s that were action oriented. Bird calls. I mean, you know, like you can find a podcast for just about everything. So just starting one because you want to talk about that thing that you're really passionate about. Yes. Is a big reason for a lot of people. That's so true. In fact, my real life friend, Liz, she's also a member of the Hangout Group. She started one recently called Real Runners Chat. She's an enthusiastic and avid runner who just likes to talk about running and enjoys podcasts so much that she just up and decided to start her own podcast about running. I mean, that is the great thing about it is um, the barrier to entry into this medium is pretty low. So there are plenty of people who start one just for fun or because they have a message that they want to spread. They're not necessarily going to generate any money off of it, or it's not necessarily because they have a book coming out about it, but they are just super passionate about something. They want to get their message out there. And a podcast is a great way to do that. So we see that a lot in this medium too. I would say this goes to the bigger picture, too, of the changing media landscape. My students in the college class that I teach have heard that all the time. I feel like I should trademark it. But it really (laughs) is true. Everything that we do in the media world is changing and morphing and really bleeding into each other. So, you know, there are Slate, BuzzFeed. I mean, all these big media channels, especially the new ones, have started their own podcasts. I mean, not to mention like American Public Media and NPR and all the different radio stations. Because they know this is a great new way to reach people, to build your audience, to grab some more listeners who could translate into readers, who could translate into more clout in the advertising world. So it's really interesting to me. It's actually more than interesting. Like I can geek out about how everything is changing so much and at a rapid pace, like where we can't keep up with it. So I think that podcasts, because they're enjoying a very kind of a golden age or a big resurgence um, in popularity, even though they've been around for a while, with because of Serial largely, and the new people that are listening to it and producing pod- podcasts, is just one more way for these media channels to reach people. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It is so interesting. You mentioned Slate, which again, is a very popular news and culture website. They put together a podcast network that I went to look just to make sure they now have 17 shows in their podcast network. Right. That doesn't surprise me. That's what I'm learning is that so many of these media companies, and again, like Slate, BuzzFeed, HuffPo, you know, they are new, the new big media companies. I mean, you know, they're still... NPR is still out there, all the big networks and everything, but they are the new generation of media companies, their content delivery. So it makes sense for them to jump on this podcasting bandwagon and get all these people that are interested in this new medium. And again, it's pretty, they're usually producing pretty highly produced shows, especially like NPR serial, something like that takes a staff of people working on a show for a long time in advance. So it's a little different, but probably than the shows that Slate and BuzzFeed and everybody are producing, but still just one more way to get people listening. 
Speaking of listening, I always think it's interesting too what draws a person into why they are listening to podcasts. And again, this came out on the Hollywood Housewife Facebook thread that I just thought was so fascinating. Somebody talked about feeling like they have too much information coming in already. And if they want to learn about something, they would rather sit down and read about it. And I was like, that's interesting. I don't listen to podcasts to learn things. Now, I definitely do learn things as I'm listening, but I am not one to like, I want to learn more about the history of Great Britain. So I'm going to listen to a podcast. That's not how I approach my listening habits at all. I tend to be more like I like chatty kinds of shows. So it's so super interesting to me what draws a person in. My husband, total opposite. He has listened to two episodes of Sort of Awesome. He listened to our friend Nick Clark and he listened to our friend Jeff Tremaine and that was about it because his show that he prefers is going to be more informative. He lists, He's a financial advisor and investment advisor. He listens to podcasts from people in his industry. He loves Rob Wolf's podcast, which is about paleo eating, the paleo lifestyle, has listened to that for many years. So his are very much information driven. He doesn't want to sit around and listen to people chit-chatting. He wants yeah. the essence of the information so he can move on, apply it to his life or think about it or whatever, and that's it. So I just think it's so fascinating how people approach this. Yes. And since Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me was kind of the show that pulled me in, you know, if you've ever listened to that, it is a game show that's about current events. So it feeds that news side of me. And I honestly do learn things sometimes from the show where you're like, oh, I I missed that story somehow because they're quizzing people on current events. But at the same time, it's got this very improv comedy feel. That's what keeps me there. It is kind of that entertainment more than the information that draws me to podcasts. Now, I do like informative podcasts, like the TED Radio Hour is still oh, one of yes. my favorites. Yeah. And I learn so much. You know, I come off of that show and I'm like, oh my word, I, who can I talk to yes. about this? Because it's so interesting and my mind is just buzzing with thoughts. But really, it's the entertainment. And so it feeds me in a way, I think that extrovert way again, that just makes me feel like I'm having a conversation with people almost. Like I, I'm just excited to have the people that are talking in my ears, even though I can't talk back to them, I feel like I did have a conversation. Yes, exactly. I'm the same way. Well, speaking of entertaining, there is definitely a trend right now with entertainers who want to have their own podcasts, who are coming out with their own shows. Now, of course, for a long time, we have had sort of celebrity interview shows, Um Alec Baldwin has Here's the Thing, uh, off-camera Sam Jones. There's tons of them out there. Those are a few of my favorites, where celebrities will come in, sit down, be interviewed, talk about their lives or projects, whatever, for an hour. And those have been around for a long time. But now we have celebrities who, they want their own show. It's not enough to go in and be interviewed by Alec Baldwin. They want to do their own thing, like Anna Ferris, Lena Dunham. Those are two who have started their own shows. Uh, Mike Rowe, the host of Dirty Jobs, has come out with his own show as well. Why would a celebrity want to put together and put out their own show? Sometimes it can be a little frustrating for those of us who are independent podcasters who keep an eye on the iTunes charts to see you know, who's at the top of our category. I'm telling you, of course, when a celebrity puts a, a show out, that climbs right to the top of the charts because they have a huge fan base to draw from. So Kelly, I would love to hear your take on that. Celebrities who are starting their own podcasts. Well, I haven't listened to any celebrity podcast. Have you? I have not. I have to say, I just, okay. I, my, my stable is full yes. <laughs> of shows oh, that I amen. know and love. So no, I have not added any new ones. So I will just then feel free to say I have side eye <laughs> for that concept <laughs> for the celebrity show only because I think sometimes when something is popular, um, I understand it. 
but they think, well, I'll start my own show. And then they're not that good. Ah, that's, that's my thing is that sometimes the reason that those interview shows work is because the host, like On Being, which is another one of my favorite podcasts with Krista Tippett. You know, Krista is not, it's not an entertaining show. It's not entertainment celebrity based, but she does talk to some people who are very well known. She is such a good interviewer that she knows when to draw those people out, when to say, let's move over here. So she makes people, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but she makes them sound very coherent. Right, yes. So sometimes when you take that person, that buffer away, um, and the person just has their own two legs to stand on, it can be a little crazy, you know? So <laughs> right. I, I say that um, with all sorts of um, kindness and love because there's all kinds of talented people out there and this just might not be their medium. They might give it a try. Oh, sure. And it's just not going to be something that lasts long term. However, I have heard that there are many actors, people, comedians, especially, that's a huge genre oh, yes. of podcasts. Yes. Know? Um, who really are drawn to the podcasting world because they can do anything here. Yeah. They can try things. In some ways, it's that changing media landscape again, just like Netflix and HBO give artists more freedom to experiment and try things. So does the podcasting world. So the people who are really talented and are saying, you know, I would really like to try something new, they can go, even as a celebrity, into this world and say, what if... I did a show. In fact, I just heard about a show. I don't remember what it was called, but it's every episode. It's like a six or seven season podcast season. Every one is like a new pilot of a TV show or, or like a radio show. So they're just experimenting. Like what if we had came up with a new idea for a show every week and we taped it and we right. had different people come on, you know? So again, it's just that experimenting. It gives them a lot of freedom. So I do applaud that. And I think that Really, the reason they're going to the top of the charts, not only do they have a big fan base, obviously, but it gives people that feel that is more intimate. Yes, definitely. Celebrity figure than you could get just by reading an article about them. You really do feel like you're having a conversation with them. So it pulls them in. And again, this goes to that whole idea of even Twitter, you know, that you can communicate with these people that you used to have no access to whatsoever. And of course, still, do you think that Taylor Swift is going to actually reply to your tweet or your Instagram message? Probably not, you know, but <laughs> it gives people the idea that I am a friend. I am on the inside. They yes. are talking to me. I can communicate with them. And so I can see why there's such huge appeal. Definitely. Well, we opened up this question in the Hangout group on Facebook, the Sort of Awesome Hangout. And we asked people in our community, what questions would you have for us about podcasts and podcasting? You all came back with some really great questions. The first one that I wanted to discuss, actually a couple of weeks ago, had a listener email with the same question. And then several people in the Hangout group wanted to know some of the technical specifics of what we all use to record Sort of Awesome. So I'll go through this really quickly because I don't want to bore those of you who are not interested in the technical details. You just want the magic of the fully done show. (laughs) Don't tell me how you make this sausage. I don't want to know. (laughs) I'll go through this really quickly. So I have a Blue Yeti mic that I use. I have a pop filter that goes with it. The reason I have a Blue Yeti is because years ago, again, my friend Tish Oxenreiter asked me to be a regular contributor to her podcast, and she generously gave those of us who are going to be on the show regularly this microphone. I kept it through all these years because I always had this dream of a podcast, Kelly. <laughs> so I kept the mic, and, um, and I bought the pop filter. 
that's what I use. Now, each of the co-hosts have the same kind of mic, and it's it's an ATR2100, I believe. Isn't that right? Sure. I think that's I'm going to go with that. Yes. I, can you, like, we're looking at each other right now. So if you don't know that that's how we tape the show, not only are we Skyping our audio together, we're also videoing together. Yes. So yes, it's a, it's a good mic. It was about 60 bucks yes. on Amazon. Um, so very standard to what everybody thinks of when they think of a mic, especially in the TV business. Like it's very multi-purpose. It is. It is. It can be a work. It can be used as a USB plug-in mic, which all of the co-hosts do. But you can also plug it in if you have like a soundboard, a more advanced <laughs> audio setting than we do. Uh, but the ATR 2100 is a fantastic mic. In fact, I just read a, a blog post. I'll, I'll pop a link into the show notes comparing the ATR 2100 to the really high dollar professional mics and it was like almost uh almost imperceptible difference in the finished sound quality so that's the 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 mics we all use uh most of us use earbuds when we're recording laura has her own she doesn't like earbuds she has her own set of headphones that she likes to use um so that's what we record with like kelly said we open up skype i like to do video calls because i like to see my friends of course i get to see them every time we're recording and it also helps us with our visual cues to know if somebody's finished talking if someone needs to interrupt and say something so we use skype and there's a plug-in for Skype that you can buy if you if you work on a Mac, which all four of us do, by a company called Ecamm, and it's called Call Recorder. It's just a plug-in for Skype. It opens up a recording menu when I call somebody and I hit record, and that gives me a video file that I then um, convert into an MP3, and I take that MP3 file over to an editing program called Audacity. Now, if you have a, if you have a Mac, you have access to a program called GarageBand that you can record into and edit into. I played around with GarageBand a little at the beginning. I just could not click with it. It's not for me. A lot of people um, who do their own editing use Audacity. I watched some tutorials on it. I fell in love with it. I actually, I like to joke that I actually know Audacity better than I know some of my closest friends (laughs) because I spend a lot of time (laughs) in it every week. But it ta- there's a little bit of a learning curve, of course. But you guys, before the first time we put a show together, I had never looked at an audio file on an editing screen ever before in my life. And I'm telling you, if I can figure it out, anybody can, for real. <laughs> well, and let's also just give you a little bit of credit here. In one year, ladies and gentlemen, or ladies and ladies, <laughs> this is where we are. Megan knows Audacity better than she knows her own friends. And she has figured it out. I say round of applause. Oh, thank round you, of applause thank for you. Megan. So um, another thing that I use to get the show ready every week, because I do not have any training at all in audio production, there's a... a, a a website called Auphonic, Auphonic.com. I take those finished edited files of those MP3s, I take it over to Auphonic, upload it, they work their audio leveling magic and give it back to me. And then the process goes on from there in terms of getting it up in iTunes. But those are the main things in terms of equipment. I use a Blue Yeti, the other co-hosts use an ATR2100, um, Skype for recording, Audacity for editing. Those are the highlights. <laughs> Do you care if I bring up a question that I thought was really good from one of the readers yeah, that we had? Did. You asked the same question in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group. Um, it was Kendra, and she was wondering, are any of these shows scripted, or like how much? Do they follow a loose outline or not? Okay. So I'll, I'm going to throw that to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you may have guessed, 
from listening, the opening of the show is definitely scripted. I say the same things every week, and I script out my opening paragraph as we launch into the show because I really am not 100% comfortable or great at speaking on my feet. I never have been unless I'm like super confident in the material. So the opening of the show is always scripted. In terms of what we talk about during the show, I'll let Kelly speak to this too a little bit. I really don't script much in terms of actual sentences, unless if there is a talking point that like if there's a sentence as I'm thinking about what we'll talk about on the show, a sentence or a couple of sentences that I really want to make sure gets into the show, I will actually script that out. But mostly, all of us keep notes up on our um, laptop screens as a recording. I will have a, a loose outline, maybe a phrase or two to kind of just remind myself. So we're recording that I'm, I want to talk about this. But for the most part, the rest of it, that, like our actual conversations are not that heavily scripted. But Kelly, what would you say for yourself? I would say the same thing. I don't heavily script things unless I was doing an intro or outro, which I'm not. So I just follow the basic outline that we have. You know, usually we talk about the show with everybody, with the whole co-host team um, about what are some good topics to hit and that sort of thing. And of course, we often put questions in the Hangout group and get great ideas yes. from all of you. So then we sit down and say, here's kind of the loose order. But it is, I think most people might be surprised, I don't know, to learn how loose it really is. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're laughing because we know. Yes. Um, like sometimes we just go into it and we're like, well, <laughs> this will be fun. Let's see how this goes. Yes. Um, and so for sure, Megan does do editing afterwards. And maybe you can speak to that at some point. But, you know, so we know that if like right now I have a little bit of a frog in my throat just because I have a little cold. So if we have to cough, those sorts of things can be edited out. But we do try to keep it mostly pretty stream of conscious, just like what you're hearing, a conversation between friends. So I do think that we have learned over the year that we do have to think a little bit ahead of time if we want the show to be as good as we want it to be, yes. um, that we can't just go in cold and think that it's going to come across in the best way because it just helps. If you pre-think some key phrases, some key words, um, it would be good if I said this, it would be good if you said that, that sort of thing. So I think that's where we've landed. I think we, you and I both work very similar. Definitely. We would never go into a show with no agenda. We always have an, at least an agenda. And it's funny because on this team, there are two ENFPs, Kelly and I, Rebecca's an ESFP, and then Laura, bless her heart, is the only J-type on the team. She's an ISFJ. Laura and I have a plan for our shows through July. The rest of us, yes, that's true. <laughs> Kelly and I were texting back and forth like this morning. <laughs> What are we going to talk about when we sit down to record? So, <laughs> Oh, man, that is so funny. But I get it. I mean, and that's just how we're, we're different as yes. people. Yes. But yes, no, we would never go in. I was laughing. People might sometimes go, it seems like you go into the show sometimes <laughs> on an agenda. <laughs> or at least maybe that's just me. Maybe it feels like it. Because I think probably especially those of us who are extroverted, we yes. can tend to follow the little rabbit trail. So even that is a bit of a learning process for me yes. to say you don't, you can't chase every little rabbit down the trail. Right. Focus. Focus. Speaking of focus, another <laughs> Hangout member, Janie, asked a couple of questions that kind of play off of that idea. She said, you and your guests are super smart. Thank you for that, by the way, <laughs> with lots of good stuff to share. How do you hone in on just the key nuggets to keep the episodes short enough? Or do you record it all and have to edit out a lot? Um, and she has a second part to her question, which we'll get to in just a second. But just to kind of reiterate, we do try to put some thought into how is this going to be way too long of a show? 
those of you who have listened for, to the show for a long time may know that we went through a stretch where we just could not keep our episodes under an hour. <laughs> we recently were like, we got to cut back. So we've been really trying to think about how can we get these episodes under an hour. And so there does sometimes have to be a lot of editing. I mean, a couple of shows have been an hour and 20 minutes, almost an hour and a half. And I've had to cut and dice and chop and do all of those things to get them into a listenable <laughs> amount of time. So, but mostly these days, we try to think ahead enough in pre-production to make sure that the show is not going to be a monster to deal with in post-production. Right. And some of that is just learning, trial and yes. error. I think that we've learned how many questions we can, t- you know, yes. handle in an episode. We kind of have more of an internal sense about, okay, I should shut up now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Because definitely. I'm just, you know, rambling or whatever it is. And honestly, this is funny, but we've all talked on the team of the sort of awesome co-hosts that Voxer, even though it's really just a medium to communicate information in a group or amongst friends, has become a teaching tool for us. Because you can go back and listen to the Vox you just left and say, oh, I rambled or I went off that way. And so at least for me, I won't speak for everybody, but Voxer has helped me become a better audio processor and to get more to the point and to use the right words and the right tone and all of that. Because not only do I just want to be better at it in general, but of course, thinking about the podcast medium, it's helped me. stay on track and do all that. It definitely does. There's something magical about listening to yourself that makes (laughs) you like super hyper aware of it. And yes, it can be totally cringy at times for sure, but it's really actually pretty helpful. So I totally agree with that. Well, the second part of Janie's question is you all sound like you're having so much fun naturally. How long did it take you and how did you get to the point where you feel like you're having a conversation and we're just eavesdropping when you know everything you say is being recorded. (laughs) Well, the truth is we are having so much fun. So none of that is constructed or none of that is fake or anything. We really are having as much fun as it sounds like, which I say all the time. My only regret about podcasting is I didn't start it sooner because we have been having a blast with the show. So totally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the show is so much fun. It really, it really is. So anytime an awesome says, in the hangout group or somebody that I would meet or on Twitter and they say, it was so much fun. It was like sounding just like you were having fun. And I'm like, I was. Yes. I'm so glad that came through. You know, I mean, we are having so much fun producing and putting together this podcast that the idea that it actually does translate that way through the airwaves, you know, into your earbuds and you have fun with us. That's the magic to me of podcasting. And I totally get what you're saying about, I wish I started it sooner because It's been such a fun year for me, or almost year, of learning about this medium and just enjoying it. Um, And again, the magic of being able to connect with people has been really transformative to me. I mean, that sounds so cheesy, but it really is. It really is just a fun way to have a conversation, try to be intentional with it, and, and really have like a bond, a connection with everybody, all of you out there listening. I think that's been a huge key to it, Kelly, really. And I think maybe some of that just reflects my ENFP approach to life. Because like Janie asked, how do you get to the point where you're, you know, just having a conversation, we're just kind of eavesdropping. One of my goals for the show from the beginning was to be really inclusive to the audience. I listen to a lot of girlfriend chat kinds of shows, and some of them are very apparently 
a conversation exclusively between the two hosts or however many people are talking. And that's fine. And that's one style of doing things. But our goal from the beginning has been to be really super sensitive to and aware of the fact that people are listening. And we very much want you to be part of the conversation and to feel like you are in it with us. That it's not just the two of us talking to each other, but that we're genuinely talking to you all as well. And I think that is something, if you go back to the earliest episodes, I think you'll hear that over time, our approach to the audience has evolved to the point where we're always super aware of you all as you're listening every time we sit down to record. Now, with that comes the fact that we get a little nervous before we sit down to record, some of us more than others, but it's a it's a strange thing to think about. Okay, we're going to have this conversation on Skype for an hour, and then thousands of people are going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I hadn't thought about that yet this time, so now I'm really nervous. <laughs> I know, but it's true. We've said, you know, we really want this to be a conversation yes. between you, I, and the other awesomes out there, like for on this show. We don't want it to be just Megan and Kelly talking. So I really feel like that's come to life, that it is a conversation. So it does make us a little more nervous maybe sometimes. But we are so glad for the feedback we get from you guys, whether it is in the Hangout group or other social media channels. It has really been a fun way to develop the show that is a little different maybe. It's a little bit one of our unique strengths, I think. Yeah. Okay, we had one last question I'm just going to hit on really quickly. This is from our Hangout member, Charlotte. She wondered how much time it takes to produce an episode from start to finish. I would say anywhere from five to six hours per episode. So that's about an hour and a half of pre-production planning, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on how comfortable with the topic we are. Uh, Again, we rely on Voxer a lot for back and forth. Sometimes in the group, all four of us work on producing each episode for the most part, but then sometimes the individual co-hosts and I will have side conversations where we're talking through some of the parts of the show. So there's that, there's actual pre-production writing of notes, those types of things. And then about an hour and a half to sit down and record, again, depending on the show. And then each episode can be anywhere from two to three hours to get edited and all the way through the finished product process just depends on a lot of things like how many interruptions I have in my life that day. (laughs) That has a big uh, bearing on the total amount of time. But yeah, um, it's funny. That's the actual hours like on the clock. But I I can't speak for any of the rest of the co-hosts, but I'm actually thinking about the show all the time. So (laughs) I feel like I'm working on the show 100 hours a week, but (laughs) most of it's just in my brain. (laughs) No, that's very true. And we've said that we've said kind of in this giddy sort of way that when Megan, I can only maybe speak for me, but when Megan approached me about this time last year and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast and I'm wondering if you'd like to be involved, I was like, well, sure. I mean, Megan does something. She does it well. I love her. She's a good friend. So there was no hesitation on my part, but I did not anticipate how obsessed I would get with Sort of Awesome and the new medium. And it's just been the thing that I think about and really is a creative feeding thing for me. I have so much fun with it and I am thinking about it all the time. In fact, yesterday I went to get my eyebrows waxed (laughs) and somehow I like within linked on the table. I'm like, so this podcast that I'm on, she's like, I didn't know you were on a podcast. I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I sat down and the first thing out of my mouth is sort of awesome. I'm just like marketing 101, right? This is how we do it. But it was just, it made me laugh. Like the thing that I want to talk about to everybody is like the podcast. Definitely. I am the same way. Well, we would love to continue talking to you all about podcasts and podcasting. If you want to tell us more about 
how you listen, when you listen, what some of your favorite shows are, anything about podcasts and podcasting, come find us on social media so we can keep the conversation going. Kelly, remind us where we can find you all around the web. Well, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly at Lovewell, all spelled out one long word. And that's where I am most of the time. But I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Lovewell blog. Okay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show's account on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. You can come find us on Facebook on our brand new fan page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at ProgerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.